Welcome back to the 12-Sided Guys. We have Matt playing Pine. Hi. Scott playing Joff. That's me. Jordan playing Ebby. Salutations. Sabrina playing Mar... (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Sabrina playing Mario. (laughs) Sabrina playing Nari. It's a me, a Nari. (laughs) (laughs) And me, Paul, playing Mash. Okay, it looks like I'll be rich living in a shack in Hawaii. (laughs) Working as a CIA agent that drives a Lamborghini. I'll have 17 kids and I'll be divorced from Christy Brinkley. (laughs) Christy Brinkley. I'm pretty sure that exact game happened in the 90s when uh, I was a kid. Anyway, this episode marks an incredible feat. We are recording our 50th canonical episode. What the what? This story has come a long way, as have our characters. Can we go another 50 or will I finally kill off all the characters before then? I guess you better keep listening to find out. If you want more of what we're doing, go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash 12sidedguys. That's one, two-sided guys. We have a wiki, maps, bonus content like our Q&A, They Grow Up So Fast, where we talk about our character level ups character sheets, and more. If you want to help us out even more, go rate us, review us, and tell a friend or two about us. Anyway, if this song... (laughs) 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 Let me do that again. I gotta get the song right. (laughs) Damn, round of applause. Has you looking over your shoulder for a horse named Epona, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 50. That was beautiful. I didn't know you played the ocarina. Yeah. The $8 ocarina that's straight and uh, says Yamaha on the side. <laughs> Seriously, though, ocarinas are way easier to play. Way easier to learn, way easier to play than a recorder. Recorders are kind of the worst. Oh, they are totally the worst. Don't listen to him. He doesn't know. <laughs> They're so bad. <laughs> a hand reaches, drained of strength, but clinging on to a hope for survival that he feared lost. A young man pulls himself to the final rung of the highest ladder, scaling the sheer chasm under the Stormfist village of Summerhome. He flops onto his back, breathing in deep gulps of air, his muscles exhausted from the climb, the terror, the dehydration, and the hunger. But he made it. He made it. A woman, older and broader than the young man, pulls herself up behind him, crawling on hands and knees just a few feet from the yawning abyss behind her. She too collapses in a heap of fatigue and screaming muscles. Tazar and Adressa roll their heads toward each other, reach out to clasp hands, and smile weakly. They made it back. They made it home. They are safe. But far below, in the deepest reaches beneath the glass mountains, they know that something important is happening. The true hero of the Stormfist clan is meeting her destiny. They take a moment, then slowly rise to their feet, stumbling their way through the cave and back out to the cold air of their home in the tops of the mountains. In a warm house beside a central fire pit, a tall heart man with a modestly sized rack of antlers sits with a brass woman. She is less tarnished and damaged than the day before, a night's rest having helped her to heal, but not entirely. She cradles the stump of her arm, which ends right below the elbow. 
Her green eyes reflect the firelight as she recounts her dreams to the tall heart man. I volunteered. I was one of the first to see if the process would actually work. I was so proud to be allowed to participate, but scared as well. But I knew it was my best chance of being chosen to volunteer. Only a small portion of us would be accepted into the program, a tiny percentage. I was told I would sleep for a few years until, until Pavancis had settled to help rebuild and to restore the knowledge that would undoubtedly be lost to the survivors. Hermine continues to talk as Yostin listens, and Maeve, the elderly soothsayer of the Stormfist clan, worries and broods in her chair by the fire. Farther south in a grove of trees now covered in snow, five ancient tall hearts sit around in an enormous fire pit. Their heads hang down as they seem to sleep, their chests rising and falling in unison as the firelight reflects off of the freshly fallen snow. A breeze begins from the west as the trees sway gently. In unison, each elder raises their head, four of them turning to look at the fifth, who is seated at the head of the fire pit. The fifth elder slowly rises to their feet, tilts back their head, and begins. The Lord of Wood, a message sends. Is it beginning or does it end? The choice of eons now is made by Stormfist, Lost Air, Ancient, or Blade. The world will shudder, whichever they choose, to heal the wound or the angel to loose. Two choices ahead, or could there be three? These four choose Pavantus's destiny. The fifth tall heart drops heavily into their seat by the fire in an exhausted slumber. The four watch, then exchange glances. Then as one, the four rise and slowly, laboriously file out of the clearing, leaving the sleeping fifth elder alone for the first time in ages. And, far to the south in the Almar province, two older men sit across from each other in a cozy study. As a fire pops and snaps in the hearth, the man with the pinned-up sleeve exclaims to the man in the blue frock coat, I'm telling you, Richter, those four had it. I know they did. They'd speak of it often. I know it has power and that the Emperor wants it. This last part is a lie, one intended to bait the hook. I don't know why or what it does, continues Ramsay, but those four have it, and I'm sure you can see that it would be much better served in the hands of fallen heaven. Richter begins to respond, but Ramsay is not listening. His eyes are unfocused, his hand goes to his head. Forgive me, Richter, he mumbles. I, I suddenly feel ill. If we could continue this discussion on the morrow, I fear I need to rest. If you could call your guard to escort me back to my room. Nonsense, Richter responds. You know the way by now, and you'd be a fool to try anything in the heart of my stronghold. We'll talk more of this crystalline disc in the morning. Richter busies himself with something on his desk, mentally onto his next task, as Ramsey rises and quickly strides from the room. Down the hall, one, two, three, the fourth door. He opens it and quickly steps in, closing the door behind him. Throwing himself onto his bed, Ramsey desperately searches his mind, his soul, his being, for the tremor the noise he felt just now in Richter's office. After a few moments, he hears it again. Or does he feel it, tugging at his mind? Ramsey's body goes limp as his awareness of this small room fades and his consciousness flees from his body. Welcome back to, I believe, the sixth floor of this facility under Summer Home, deep in the mountains, in the glass mountains. So you're not going to give us a chance to even like say, whoa, about that prophecy or about all that stuff we just heard? Yeah, I had shivers. Well, OK, <laughs> you guys can respond. Whoa, I had shivers. <laughs> <laughs>
that's a good response, guys. Eloquently put. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, um, things are getting a little bit... I, they're getting important, it seems like, to me as the DM. Last time we were together, you fought a giant Ormek, the Forge Master Ormek, who, um, as I recall, kept catching Nari on fire. And uh, there was a whole thing where <laughs> I think Joff like, got killed in the first round, or basically he got knocked unconscious after just two hits. A.K.A. Ebby's mom's womb. don't you talk about her womb like that (laughs) that's right that's right ebby's mom's womb apparently the forge master ormek was was compared to ebby's mom's womb oh (sighs) anyway um after the fight with the forge master ormek where you guys managed to defeat it um putting out the fire in its chest you found an elevator that lowered very slowly it would stop and start um and it seemed like it was grinding through something in the elevator shaft um, as it descended but after about an hour it arrived on this level of the underground facility what i think happened is joff decided to go and explore a little bit and um, the elevator came down into this room that was about 25 feet by 25 feet with a large hallway heading west and then it curved south and joff went just to that corner And as he looked south, he saw that the hallway went on for another 20 or 30 feet and then opened up into a large, elaborately decorated, um, well-made room with a, with a elaborately, uh, uh, fine, uh, fine tile floor. Um, and on the far side of the room, there was a wall of glimmering, shimmering crystal and sticking out of the wall was a hooded head and a hand holding a sword. All of them were red, dark, dark red to the point of almost black. And that is where we stopped last time. So really quick, just to give everyone a recap of kind of where we are at this moment, Colbury, who is still with our players, and Nari and Ebby are still kind of in the elevator shaft in that room. Um, Pine has gone just like halfway down the hallway, whereas Joff is at that corner looking into the room. And Joff, one thing that you can see is that um, the the hallway goes another 25 feet or so before it opens up into that big room. But on either side of the hallway, before it opens up, there are two doors. And then further into that room, you can see that there is debris and rocks, um, like uh, boulders and things. It looks like it has fallen in into this room. This room seems less um, stable. That that big room at the bottom at the south looks less stable than the rest of this facility has seemed, at least up to this point. And one last thing, the head and hand and sword trapped in that crystal wall does not seem to have noticed Joff. Joff will quietly duck back around the corner and face Mr. Pine and whisper, there's a a wall of crystal up ahead, and it appears that there's someone trapped in it. Ooh, Pine will look up from looking on the floor for a perfect skipping rock. His investigation was only a twelve, so he didn't find it. He didn't find one. <laughs> <laughs> there's somebody trapped in the wall. If you feel confident that you could take a peek without being noticed, it's right here, about fifty feet ahead of us, around this corner. I will do my best. Can I assist him? Well, to be fair, it looks like last time we played, Joff, you rolled a 23 on your stealth, and Pine rolled a 21 on his stealth. 
And actually, I just re-rolled my stealth and I got a 22. So either way, <laughs> either way. So Pine will cautiously sneak to the edge just to peek out. Okay. And I'm now seeing down this hallway. I see the doors here on both sides. Yep. Before you enter the large room. And I do start to see this wall of crystal, lots of debris, fine tile floor. And, and <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> I designed it myself. And then I do see, I see, I see something coming out. So, okay, so then I'll cautiously come back and I'll say, do you suppose that's your meal? Do you suppose this is the trap for him? I, I have no idea, honestly. You know, I don't pay much attention to these stories as a kid. And I frankly don't pay much attention when they're talking about the, the prophecies, even as an adult. So I really don't know what's going on. Well, if he's still alive, his head's free, hands free. Is there a sword free? It appears that he's holding that sword. And also, I forgot to mention that this figure, just judging by the size of the head and the hand, you would imagine it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 feet tall. So it's either a very large statue. It could be a meal. Its head is free. If he's alive, then we could converse with him. We should do it very cautiously. Maybe don't get too close. I agree. I, I'm worried that someone might get uh, struck with that sword. And, and honestly, if we're dealing with some kind of angel or, 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 or whatever he is, he probably can, like, shoot laser beams from it. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen weirder things, so. We fought a guy shooting lightning from a sword. <laughs> we travel with a robot. That's true. Yeah, and you ride a giant penguin. <laughs> what are you talking about? Beekaboos are very normal. You don't have those in Menorest? <laughs> well, no, we, we don't have snow. Oh. Poor birds wouldn't know what to do with themselves, sliding around on rocks, dirt, <laughs> grass. Come on. That would be uncomfortable. Should we get the others? And how do we want to approach? Do we want to just walk up and announce ourselves? Well, let's see what everybody thinks. I'm actually very interested to, to hear what Colbury has to say. Okay. But I don't think he should be the spokesperson because we still aren't quite sure where his allegiances lie. He's been forthcoming. I agree. And I'm trusting him more and more. But at the same time, I don't know what he would feel would be right in this situation. Here's what I'll do. I'll stay here in this corner. I'm not going to go out there. But just in case something happens, I'll let you know and I'll call out. Okay, I'll go, I'll go perfectly explain the situation to everybody in the elevator. <laughs> it's like we were there with you. <laughs> Ten feet tall, you say? <laughs> so I come back in, it's like, there's a wall with a face on it. <laughs> and the tiles are so elegant. The tiles are immaculate. <laughs> uh, no, Pine will, basically, Pine will explain everything to the best of his ability that, like, what he saw and what he just had, the conversation he just had with Roos or Joff. Man, I called you Roos. That's the first time in a long time. That's the first time you have, but we have been doing it every episode at least once. Yeah, it's all right. Oh, I know. I've been really good about it. <laughs> so you explain the situation. Yeah, yeah. So do we go? Do we announce ourselves? Do we try to get a closer look without being seen? I, I fear that we may anger whatever that is if it seems that we are being um, dishonest or uh, using subterfuge. Do you think it's been trapped for a while or do you think it was trapped in that same crystal wall that exploded recently? 
Oh, that's a good thought. Maybe it came down through. Paul, would that be about the right place? I mean, we have no idea that like any angles coming down an hour long elevator ride, but that's pretty much like if we came straight down, that's pretty much kind of in line with the uh, crystal wall, right? It's relatively close. It might be 200, 300 feet off. I mean, it's hard to tell. Um, as you, In case anybody who is a patron has been following the maps as you go down, one thing you'll realize is that these floors do not stack up one on top of each other. I don't know if the players have realized that, but... No, I just figured that you were being lazy and you're like, I want this room to be here. <laughs> I don't care about architectural soundness. You know that's not me. <laughs> I know, I know. So these floors don't line up. So it's actually been harder to tell. The, I think the person who would know best would be Ebby and uh, who knows? Again, this wall of crystal is like every color of crystal. This is not just like one color. Yeah, just like, like the wall upstairs was every color too, right? Yep. So maybe it's the same kind of thing. It could be the same phenomenon or it could be this, this thing could have been here for a very long time. I guess I'm just, I'm more inclined if, if whatever it is has been trapped for a while talking to it might be a more reasonable solution. Right. And honestly, if it is a powerful being, he may already know we're here. My gut says that we should be careful, but yeah, I don't know that there's going to be much surprise when we go into this next place. Well, one thing I neglected to do because I was so surprised at the beauty of the floor tiles. (laughs) (laughs) Forgive me for painting a picture, okay? Goodness. (laughs) If I were to get close enough, I might be able to tell a little bit more about this creature's nature. As you know, in the Metairie's military, we train to fight undead, angels, and devils. Oh, that, that could be very helpful information, honestly. Yes. Yeah, no, that would be perfect. We'd know then if it was a construct or something else. Do you, do you often get undead angels and devils in Menarest? I think it's more of a tradition thing. You know how, like, martial arts will have, like, they'll be, like, um, based on, you know, trickling water or, like, a, you know, a thundering river. Like, I think traditionally they just, we, we learned combat through ancient Zombies? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Menera sounds like quite the place I hope to visit. It's amazing. The way of the rotting fist? Is that uh... <laughs> one, one cool thing about, about uh, Menares that you don't really get here in Arklevy. All of the arches, like in, the, in their construction, are pointed like Gothic. Fascinating. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Colbury says, that's the true part. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we go see? I think, I think um, cautiously and maybe with a bit of um, an air of deference would probably be the best way to approach this unknown being. Let's sheath our weapons, too. <laughs> you know what? I'll even, I think it might be good to even hold our hands up near our, near our heads. Not in like a casting magic type of way, Colbury. I'm looking at you. But like just up. <laughs> he stops wiggling his fingers. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes. Okay. No jazz hands. <laughs> Shall we head in? As you guys have been talking, Colbury has been like taking notes and like looking back and forth in some of his other books and stuff, trying to figure out who this might be. And he eventually gives up and closes the book and puts it back uh, in, his, in his pack. But he says, yeah, uh, who, who should do the talking? I don't want to be presumptuous, but I think that the first face... That whoever this is sees, it might be best if it's Ebby. 
Down here in this facility, it may be familiar to see one of your kind, Normek. I was about to recommend the same thing. That is terrifying, but okay. We're not asking you to be the spokesperson. I mean, what I'm hoping is that each of us will have our own questions and we'll be able to jump in and not put all the pressure on one single player. I mean party member. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. I think think that that sounds... Very reasonable and makes the most sense. And, and I'll, I'll come in right behind you, Abby. I'll, and, and that's when I'll see if I can figure out just exactly what, where this creature came from. Very well. Um, well, then let's, let's go ahead and, and go about this. And we're going to sneak, right? I think we should just walk up quietly. Quietly, but not like, um, not like we're trying to sneak up on it. We don't want to scare him or her or it or them. One other thing, um, this crystal wall in the south uh, in the south part of this large room actually gives off light. So it's actually lit in there. But there's also these other um, like lit crystal apparati on the walls, like these actually like um, manufactured light sources are on the walls and they are continuing to work. Um, okay, so you guys all kind of go down the hall. Ebby takes the first step around the corner. Ebby, as you take a step around this corner. You can see as you head south down this hallway, it's a wide hallway, like 10 feet wide, and then it opens up into this large room. But before you get to that open room, you actually can see two doors, one on your left and one on your right. Ebby, this is familiar to you. Like, you wouldn't have been able to sketch this had somebody asked you to draw it, but when you came around this corner, you get that weird sensation of deja vu. It's a deja vu. It's a glitch in the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> and a black cat walks by. And then it walks by again. Oh, <laughs> there's no way out. Yeah. <laughs> this is familiar to me. I, I don't know why, but I feel like I've seen this all before. You, you've probably been here before. Yeah. Perhaps. I mean, it was my, my mother's womb up there. <laughs> so... <laughs> Sense to reason. This was the nursery. Well, that does not look like a wet nurse up ahead, so. (laughs) Daddy? Pine will check the ceilings for, like, mobiles. No, there's no mobiles up there. No mobiles, mobiles, whatever. No mobile Alabamas, nothing. (laughs) Well, shall we? After you. Let's go. If if you were to guess, though, Abby, what do you think is through those two doors? Make an insight check, Abby. Well, I think that inside those two different doors on our sides, I, I rolled a 17. Okay. On the left, on your left, which would be the east door, got to be a bedroom. I think that that one's a bedroom and the other one is something else. All right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, enough pussyfooting around. We need to... Let's go talk to this thing. All right, Abby's going to go ahead and walk down the hall, and the moment he steps foot into just inside of the large open tiled room with the beautiful tiles, he will stop before (laughs) going further. And as you step foot in the room, the head whips up and stares at you. What you see is you see a dark hood and where the face 
would be it's just dark and shadow. You can see that it's kind of rimmed in red, but you imagine that basically the whole hood is red. It's just a very, very dark red. And all you can see of the actual color is just on the very edges. You see the hand that's sticking out, holding that dark black sword with kind of red at the tips, at the along the edge of the blade and right at the very tip. And you see the forearm is where it is stuck in the in the in the wall. So the wrist can move and you see the sword come up and point down the hall at you five. Here comes the lightning bolt. Mr. Pine, is this a demon? Yeah, I was just going to say I'm going to use my trained senses. Okay. It's not behind total cover. Uh, nope. It's within 60 feet. So I should be able to tell if it is a celestial fiend or undead or if it's not one of those things, it's something else. How long does it last? It lasts six seconds. Six seconds, uh, fiend all the way, 100% fiend. No doubt about it, this is a fiend. Be careful, everyone. I think this one is more infernal in nature than, than anything else. You guys all hear a voice in your head, and it says, Children, children, come closer. It is the nursery. It is the wet nurse. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy. You know, there are certain things that I prepare before we ever start. And sometimes I need to just on the fly kind of switch some things up. But oh, well, he calls you children. <laughs> so he's speaking directly into our heads. Yeah. Telepathically into your head. You don't you do not hear a voice in the air. You just hear it right in your head. Ebby's going to walk forward another like five, ten feet. Uh, Nari's going to forego the whole holding her hand up thing and, and ready her axe and follow Ebby closely. Pine also is going to kind of stay up there with Ebby. Okay, and Colbury timidly comes up in the rear. Salutations, uh, caged one. Mm. You can see the head regarding you, Ebby. Says, so it worked. What do you mean? What worked? And the sword points at you again and says, You! I see you walking here. You, you construct, you... What did they call you? Ormek. It worked. You can see it kind of regard you. And if it had eyes, you would sense that they were like boring into your skull. Then it says, Yes. A soul. There's a soul in there. Indeed. The... Uh, procedure did work, and the soul, my soul, is in this figure, in this body. Uh, do you recall how long you've been down here? Eons. Countless years. I have been stuck here. In this trap. In this prison. Never intended for me. Who's it intended for? You can hear like a hiss. Him. The angel. Eremiel. He who would seek to bring about the end of all. So the trap failed then. Where is he? He's here. He's here behind me. Further in. Well, then it sounds like the trap worked perfectly. <laughs> you, the head whips over to you, Nari, and says, "Perfectly." I just mean it. It did its. It did its original job. That's all. 
obviously could have been better prepared, it seems. Originally, yes, I would say so. But recently, and you can see it kind of look to the left and look to the right and regard this crystal wall that it's stuck in. Recently, the crystal here, this prison has been uh, neglected and grows weaker. You say neglected. Was there someone that used to maintain it and upkeep the, pr the prison? You mean an individual such as you? No. No, I have not seen another being in thousands of years. No, no, this is, this is the crystal itself. But it is diminishing. It is, and then he repeats the same word, it is neglected. I appreciate the information. As we continue this conversation, I think it'd be best if we knew your name. Why are you here? In the prison meant for your meal. My name? You would not fathom my name, but your kind call me Laramie. That's a pretty name. Do I know that? Like a history check or religion? Religion check, sure. E easy difficulty. Pine rolled a 17. Joff rolled a 6. He really doesn't pay attention to this stuff. <laughs> he went to uh, he went to Bible camp, but he always snuck out and smoked in the parking lot. So <laughs> <laughs> clothes. Ebby got a seven, so not much better. He followed Joff out to the parking lot. <laughs> Nari rolled an eleven. She really tried, but she's just not that bright. Well, but Nari and Pine, both of you have heard this name. Um, in fact, Pine, you probably have maybe said a quick little prayer to him um, over your uh, over your career and over um, some of the the fights that you may have been in. This is Laramie, the Lord of Swords. So when I realize that, Pine will say, "You're the Lord of Swords. You fought. You fought Ermil with the the Lady of Shields. Is that right? That's what we have researched." The head kind of drops a little bit and says, Yes, we fought Iramil. Iramil would be dead now if it weren't for this trap. And then he kind of, you see his hand kind of move a little bit. The sword moves in its hand. Uh, he says, But I cannot make the killing blow. Someone saw fit to prevent you from finishing the job? Ebby, uh, the eyes bore into you again. He says, Yes, your kind. Wait, 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 wait. They stopped you from killing your meal, or was it just by accident that it just the trap happened to be sprung while you were in its vicinity? Make a persuasion check. The only reason why I'm having you do this is because you're dealing with an angry and vain being. Okay, well, I only rolled an 11. Does it matter? I'm trapped here now. I could have ended this. You'll forgive us, Lord of Swords. Um, I think it is important for us to know the intention. If there was any of you being put in the wall as well, if the architects of this trap intended you to be here as well, it would, um, it would behoove us to understand why. He thinks for a second, shakes his head and says, No, I came to save Pavantis, to salvage this world. And had I known of this trap, perhaps I would not have come at all. Ooh, mayhaps. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to be cool, my lady. 
I know. I said I said a weird word there too. I don't remember. Oh, behoove. I said behoove. Behooven mayhaps in like one minute. That's great, man. We're great, Paul. Hey, everybody, take a second here. Get out your thesaurus. Let's figure out what we're what we're going to say next. <laughs> so, Paul, knowing that he's the Lord of Swords, what aspect of swords would would he have? I'm assuming it's more like raw violence, like killing, maiming, because he's infernal. Well, so as far as the as far as what you know of him, let me pull this up and I can read you exactly what it says in the section in the wiki when we're talking about the deities. Laramie, the Lord of Swords, is listed as he his aspect is kind of the art of swordplay or the dance of swordplay, whereas the Lady of Swords is more like. Uh, less swords and more like what a sword can do, like like stabbing somebody in the back or like a knife in the dark, attack while you're not seen, that kind of thing. Whereas uh, Laramie is more of a, almost like a showboat when it comes to swordplay, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. So he's like me. Uh, basically, yeah. Look at us, two kindred spirits. <laughs> uh, I don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Too late, you just did. <laughs> what are you doing down here? We felt the tremors. We we understand that the um, the trap keeping Iramil bound is weakening. We're destined to come see to it. To do what? To turn it off? To end this trap? To make it stronger? To let me out and let me finish? Or to keep me bound here for millennia more? That's where the prophecies end. What would happen if we let you out? You let me out. I kill Iramil. Are you sure? Pavantis goes on. And what do you get out of that? I get to exist. I get to survive. And no offense to you, Lord of Swords, but if you and the Lady of Shields together had been unable to kill him, what makes you so sure that you on your own could? If Iramil is in here in the same state he was during the battle, just as I am unable to heal, then he is ripe for the picking. And is there is there a reason he needs to be killed? Could we not let you out and maintain this crystalline structure? I want insight from everybody, and then I want you to make a persuasion check, Nari. Pine rolled an eight on insight. Okay, yeah, I'm not I'm not doing great. So I rolled a ten on insight and a nine on persuasion. Ebby got an 8 on Insight. Joff got a 19 on Insight and then used his Bayard help from Squire and added 5 to it. So got a 24 on Insight. Okay. As far as Insight, everyone is... I think people are in a little bit of awe of this guy because, you know, just knowing the mythology around him and the sheer power and the history and the legend about him um, is a little bit intimidating. But Joff, you're not intimidated. And you... As he is talking, you sense what you have sensed in other men throughout the years. You sense bravado and pride, and you sense that he sounds sure of himself while being anything but. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Classic, classic man. That's me to a T. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Pine or you? Aren't we all the same? I mean, come on. <laughs> like, like, like Sabrina said, classic man. Yeah. Nari made a persuasion check to see if she could. Uh, I can't remember what the question was that you asked. Oh, I asked if we could keep him in the wall or like let him out of the wall and then keep 
the angel inside of the wall and just kind of strengthen it again. Yeah. So as he's looking at the wall around him, you hear him kind of mumble to himself. Um, and then he looks up at you and he says, honestly, not too much longer. I don't think it's going to matter. This wall will not hold forever. And from what I can tell, Eremil, Eremil is already not all here behind me. What does that mean? Eremil is not like me. Eremil is from another place. Well, I've had centuries and millennia to think on all of this. And there was a change, a change in the crystal wall about 60 years ago. Small at first, but it was enough. I felt the presence behind me diminish ever so slightly. Is that about the time the empire came about like 50 years ago, right? Yep. Maybe the empire in its nascent state. Are they drawing his spirit out? Is that what you're saying? Somebody drawing him out? No, I think he is trying to escape, or at least a portion of him, uh, a small piece of his essence has managed to free itself from this wall, to again touch the mortal world. I don't want to alarm you, but um, it seems that the most powerful country in the world now worships him exclusively. Mm. Sounds about right. You see him kind of shake his head and say, I'd probably do the same. (laughs) (laughs) He's pretty cool and all. Yeah, you know, it's not bad to have a bunch of worshippers, you know. (laughs) Is she here? Is Lady Balbarell here, the the Lady of Shields? Um, Make make an insight check, Pine, as you ask that question. I rolled a four. She's here, next to me, trapped in the wall as well. Okay. About how far of a reach does that sword look to have? Actually, about five feet. Okay. So Pine will get up about 15 feet from the wall. Okay. And see if he can't... Oh, I see there's another hallway. Yeah. Um, as you get closer to the wall, you can see that at the south end of this room, um, the crystal wall kind of cuts off the south and then the southwest section of the room. But on the east side of this room, there's a hallway heading further east. Okay, so as I get closer, though, I'm going to try to peer into the the crystal wall because the crystal wall's not, it's semi-transparent, correct? Like crystals are? Correct. It's like translucent, yes. Okay. Okay, so I have this written down. It, uh, it is a perception or investigation check, difficulty 20. Oh, shoot. Well, hey, everybody, we should take turns looking through here because it looks like it's going to be pretty hard <laughs> to see. So I got a plus three on my perception, and that will be a a natural one for a four. (laughs) (laughs) It's glowing. You know, it's kind of hard to tell. Um, As you were kind of trying to peer through, Laramie kind of whips his sword around in front of your face. Hey, hey, look at me. Look at me. Talk to me. Don't ignore me. Well, you I'm just I just want to see you. You say that there are these um, these other as far as we know, um, celestial beings trapped in this wall. And of course, I'd want to see. Okay. So I see other dice being rolled. Who is going next? Uh, Nara will come up behind Pine and she rolled a 10 perception. Um, it looks like 
Laramie is getting a little bit irritated at you guys for ignoring him. And he is kind of drawing your attention away. And as his sword flashes in front of the crystal wall, it kind of reflects off and shines some light um, of its own. It kind of just kind of messes with your vision a little bit. And as he is kind of moving around and blocking your vision, it actually makes the wall a little bit less translucent. And then Ebby, Ebby also kind of snuck up with uh, Nari and was kind of peeking o- around her, I guess not over her shoulder, but around her and under her armpit, <laughs> under her armpit. And I got a 21 on his perception check. 21. As you peek past Nari under her armpit, you get a whiff. Of, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's be honest. You guys are totally ripe at this point. As you glance in, you can see the barest shape of figures behind Laramie. In fact, you can see the rest of Laramie's shape. He is man-shaped. Two arms, two legs, um, you know, just kind of very generic um, humanoid shape. Um, Looks to be clothed in um, cloth, not armor, but um, you can see his shape. On the floor, a little bit further um, to the... um, to the west, you see a large shield shape laying on the floor. We're talking large as in like 12 feet from top to bottom. And it is laying there. And as you kind of peek in and try to make something out, you can tell that there's a shield there, but that's all you get. And you can see the barest image, this this silhouette behind Laramie of this figure. And it also looks to be about 10 or 12 feet tall. It looks humanoid in shape. And the only thing that you can tell is that there is something big on its back. Interesting. I believe that's the shield then. And there lies entombed Lady Barbarell. Is it true that she fell? That she died? Joff, what did you roll? Joff was investigating as they were uh, trying to notice. And I got a 19, but then I used the yard assistance and rolled an eight so i got a 27 for investigation okay well guess what perception or investigation difficulty 20 to see the silhouettes 25 to see more really really quick your 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 bayard blessing comes back on a short rest it's a long rest and i can do it like six times okay cool very cool Joff, as you are peering in, you too can see the silhouette of Laramie. Um, You can also see this shield laying on the ground, but you can see that the shield is, the front of the shield, it has like this um, female uh, kind of figure, this kind of head and shoulder um, kind of bust in like a bas relief on the front. Bas relief is like when it's like a sculpture, but it's like built into a wall, so it just kind of sticks out a little bit. And you can see these wings on the shield as well. But you also see that there that the shield is cracked almost completely in half. The figure behind Laramie, you can see, is this powerful, strong, like muscular, almost like Adonis looking figure with three sets of wings, two smaller ones up on the shoulders, two large ones coming out from kind of behind the arms and two smaller ones at the small of the back. Um, you see a sword in a in its right hand. You see that its left arm is missing at the shoulder. I will step back away from the, wa- the wall after having investigated. 
Uh, one other thing you notice, Joff, is that yes, uh, Laramie has that sword in his hand, but you also see that floating kind of stuck in the crystal, you imagine that he must be floating, are um, six other swords that kind of float around his head. They all look similar in shape to the one that he's got in his hand. Very cool. <laughs> there are six swords floating above his head, and he has got one in his hand. Joff is going to look at this creature and say, if we wanted to let you out, how would we do it? You would have to stop the crystals. Or, and he looks around at the wall again and he says, you wait. I don't know when, but sooner and sooner, this wall will crumble and I will be free. I don't know if we've uh, got the time for that. <laughs> yeah, I think we'd like to prevent the wall from crumbling if possible, but I do understand your predicament, and we're trying to come to a solution here. You know, I think perhaps a little bit of a history lesson or some context may prove helpful for us. You see, much of these stories have become legend, and even those have become, well, difficult to learn about. Perhaps you could kind of regale us with the tale of how your fight with Irmiel came to be and why all of this happened. Irmiel sought to end the world or to allow the world to end. Irmiel is not the end of the world. Do you understand what I mean? So Iramil is not the end of the world. He is passively waiting for the end of the world. Yes, but it's more than that. Iramil is a messenger. A messenger for the end. For the inevitable. Like the Grim Reaper is to death? The inevitable is a concept or the inevitable is um, something that we can stab. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the nothing from Neverending Story. Yeah, exactly. Um, see, I'm like you, um, Laramie. I mean, not like you, but um, I too am a practitioner of the blade. And so I feel much more comfortable with things that I know I can defend myself against through stabbing. Pine, you should show him your moves. He's got great moves, Lord Laramie. Pine, show him your stuff. <laughs> oh, no, he doesn't want to see me. <laughs> he does this thing. It like flourishes and it's very cool. I call it Swordmaster's <laughs> Fury, you know. It's, it's just a thing I do. <laughs> Laramie says, I came to stop Iramil from allowing the inevitable into this world. If Iramil's just a messenger, what would killing him do? So just think think of it like Galactus and the Silver Surfer. <laughs> <laughs> he is a messenger and a servant of the inevitable. Everything that has a beginning has an end. Iramil serves the end. If we can stop him, perhaps the end will look past this world. And he points at Ebby and he says, people in your time were worried about the world cracking. But they didn't realize it wasn't the crack itself. It was what would come out of the crack that they should have feared. Regardless, they stopped it. 
they stopped it with this. And you see him kind of motion towards these crystals that he's trapped in. They stopped the cracking. They blocked the inevitable from coming up from the depths. However, I fear that they may have created something as bad. Do the other lords and ladies agree with your decision here to engage and to fight the angel of inevitability? The lords and ladies? The lords and ladies. Some of those who you call lords and ladies did agree. Balbarel, the Lady of Shields, she agreed. She fought with me. Others. Moshe. Moshe. Yes, he agreed. In fact, he probably started this whole concept of crystal. He put it into some man's head. Watch it. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. No, you can say that. That's great. No, I think, I think, yeah, I think Ebby would just be in rapt attention trying to understand it. Some of those you call lords and ladies, yes, they were on my side. Some came to help. Some turned a blind eye to certain things that were done, certain, certain things that needed to be done to prevent it. And some didn't care one way or the other. But... I can tell you this, of all those you call lords and ladies, none of them want the end. None of them want what is inevitable. Because what is inevitable for Pavantis and for you is also inevitable for us. Well, I guess we're in the same boat. If you can help me get this crystal barrier down, I can kill Iramil. And we can stop this all now. Or I can wait and bide my time a little longer until this crystal comes down out of neglect on its own. So you you say neglect. Was there a connection? You said that 60 years ago you felt his presence diminish ever so slightly behind you. But was there a connection with the wall degrading? Did it start 60 years ago or... Or had it been going for that entire time? Old man, that is a very good question. I have racked my brain for now decades, trying to remember, trying to feel if maybe I could tell that it was loosening, that it was shrinking. And the only conclusion I can make is that it was, in fact, weakening slowly over time. But almost as if the crystal here stopped worrying about the crystal here. Does that make any sense? You guys get the impression that this is something that Laramie has been going over and over in his mind for years and may have driven him insane. I was just about to say, you're holding it very well together for having been trapped in the same position for thousands of years. Very lucid, I must say. That wasn't, that wasn't supposed to be patronizing in any way. I was actually very impressed. <laughs> I, I once got a fever and had to stay in bed for four days. And I was, I was bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some say the only prescription when you have a fever is more cowbell. I don't know what it means, <laughs> but I believe it. That's actually why I became a paladin, so I'd become immune to disease. <laughs> <laughs> it's wise. It's wise. 
Can you end this? You said that that your injuries haven't healed in this whole time that you've been in here and that your Emil's probably haven't either. What makes you believe that you're in any state to fight him? Because I had him. I had him down. I had cut his arm from his body. But you also said he's being, like, he's escaping slowly. So how much of him is still here? No, not not slowly. A small part of him escaped 60 years ago. I felt it leave, but it hasn't diminished anymore since then. It's just gone. Maybe it's that part that, um, that part that gave rise to the cult of inevitability in our time. The worship of Viramil and the Empire. That influence. Just enough of him to give his priests power. I think, too, I begin to understand a little bit about what my uh, creators had intended here. That there was doubt as to whether or not the lords and ladies could repel the angel Iramil. And so, as a backup plan, there was this, uh, essentially a band-aid, something that they could put over the wound to try to at least prevent further damage being done. But over the centuries, it appears that things have begun to degrade and the bandage will not last. Laramie, he, he interrupts you when you say the bandage has begun to degrade. He says, no, no, the bandage, the bandage has not degraded. The bandage has evolved. The bandage has grown, learned. That's why I feel this this area, this, this wall, this trap has been neglected. Not because nobody's taking care of it, but because, but because the crystal focuses elsewhere. Can't give a damn anymore. Or it doesn't care. That's what I said. More eloquently, though. <laughs> Very eloquent, old man. <laughs> well, to be completely honest, we have no idea how to bring down the wall or put it back up. Um, this is all new to us. We are down here exploring, trying to find answers, and trying to solve the problem. So any additional help you can give, by any chance? Did you work with Neum? That's a name that's come up a few times. Arnium Celadar, I believe his name was. Yes, that's right. A mortal. One of your kind, and he says, pointing to Ebby with the sword. Yes, yes, he was the royal geomancer, I believe. Mm, royal geomancer. Mm. I did not interact with mortals. That would have been Lord Moshe. You sense a little bit of disdain, a little bit of sarcasm when he says Lord Moshe. So can I ask, is Lord Moshe like you? I mean, I'm not to brag or anything, but I'm pretty good at distinguishing certain <laughs> types of entities. And um, I couldn't help but notice that you're more on the uh, the um, fire and brimstone side of things. Moshe is not like me. He is as different from me as you are from me. Okay. Suddenly you see his head snap up. And then he kind of tries to look over his shoulder, but he can't turn his head quite far enough. And then he slows his voice down to a, a whisper. He says, he's back. The essence, the lost essence of Iramil is back. <gasps> of course it is. Oh, no. 
You guys, I think we need to dig this dude out. I think we gotta we gotta pickaxe him out here. Our characters don't know what happened in the intro. No, they don't. But you guys can say something if you want to. Um, so I'm thinking maybe Ramsey is the missing portion. Ramsey, how old would you say Ramsey was? I don't know. About 60? Maybe. Maybe 60 years old? Maybe 60 years old. Oh, geez. Well, our characters don't know this, but man. (laughs) God, and we had him. Laramie is like, if there's anything you can do to get this down, now is the time. He is back. He will be more potent, but I can still take him. He even is missing an arm. Shoot. He's missing a left arm. Jeez. <laughs> the statue in the book that that lady that uh, whatever librarian Jem wrote, it even depicted a sword coming down and hitting the shoulder, the left shoulder of the statue. And I even said that. Oh, Paul. <laughs> what? P- painting your word pictures. <laughs> Episode one. Episode one. God. Okay, we don't know what to do. I think maybe it's best if um, we separate out, we see what's down here, and see if we can find any kind of receptacle for something, or buttons, or crystals, things that look like they would do things. I don't know what we would do with those things yet, but at least we might have a better idea of what is within our power. Um, Laramie points his sword down the hall to the west, or to the east, and says... The engine, the crystal engine is down there. If you can shut it off, this wall will fall and I will destroy Iramil. Again, Joff, you recognize bravado and pride. Okay. And also the um, does not believe that necessarily he can do it, but he's going, he's tired of being stuck in a wall and he is going to die trying at this point. Evie, could you heal the Lord here? L- Lord Laramie? Yeah. I can try. Maybe don't say the name of the spell, though. It seems like he might not accept it if he knew where it's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. Let me see if I can have a little bit of health that I can impart unto you. And I, I will try to cast... Erdas's word from over here. Just a level one. Why don't you make either an arcana or a nature check? Yeah, I'm, I'm just assuming that er- Lord Erdas is probably more on the good celestial side of things. I'm going to roll a nature. Uh, Abby got a 20 on his nature check. How much healing did you do? So it would have been nine points of healing. So um, as you cast Erdas's word, you can feel that as it hits him, you can feel the crystal that surrounds him tries to suck and siphon that energy away. But you manage to pinpoint right in like the center of the hood with the spell and you feel it give some health to Laramie. Here's the deal though. That is a difficulty 20 and you rolled a 20. So to do it again, Heads up will be very difficult. But you did give him nine hit points. Okay. I think maybe trying to dig him out might be a little bit more practical than turning off the entire thing. I would be careful, though. Remember what the crystal wall did to us upstairs. That's true. 
Actually, Lord Laramie, would you permit me to approach the wall a little closer? The sword um, kind of goes up to his head in a salute and then whips down to the side. And he says, approach. Okay, so I'm going to come up to the crystal wall here by that by that eastern hallway. I'm getting closer, and I'm basically I'm paying attention to see if the little tuft of hair on my remaining ear sticks up even tighter, like higher with uh, static electricity, like it did upstairs. As you get closer to the wall, yeah, uh, you can sense a power and a vibration coming off this crystal. As you get also down here, you can see. <laughs> Did we just become a yoga podcast <laughs> with crystals and vibrations? There's some bad vibes from these crystals, my dudes. Oh, gosh. Well, as you look down this hall, you also see that there is a staircase at the end of the hall, and you can see light that is glowing up from the staircase. Should we go look at the engine, see if we can turn it off? I suppose so. Our little Caesars might come in handy around now. <laughs> I always thought it was a thought it was a round table. Maybe that's just a Pacific Northwest thing. <laughs> Colbury is going to kind of skirt around as far away from Laramie as possible. But you guys, I mean, he's been in the back the whole time while you guys have been talking. Um, as he scoots around, you can see he's got like a quill out and he's been writing like all of this down. Um, and he scoots around and is now in the hallway going towards the crystal engine, um, trying to stay away from Laramie as close as can. And as he gets down here by Pine, he says, how, how will we be able to turn off the engine? We don't, we don't have the, the key. We don't have the failsafe. And is that really something that we want to set loose on the world again? I have no idea. I have no idea. But apparently he had some kind of, well, to a certain extent, the trust of the ancients. Although he is sealed in here for some reason. But then again, so is Lady Barbarelle. And as far as we know, her, her domain was... Protection of others, which seems pretty noble. And aren't you proud of me, Paul? I've been saying Barbarell, Balbarell instead of Barbarella. I am very pleased with that. Thank you so much. <laughs> I keep thinking Barbara Ann. <laughs> oh, yeah. Barbarell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad no one has said Bar- Barbasol. Do you think everyone should go, or should I maybe hang back and keep an eye on our good friend here? I I can stay and 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 address him as well. No, I want all of your opinions down there. We can't separate here. This isn't a decision that can be made by just one or two of us. All four of us. Okay. We're on Garam's back or shoulder or whatever it was. All four of us need to be in on this decision. Very well. Okay. Fair enough. We shall return. Okay. You all converge in this hallway and you see the staircase heading down. Are you going to go down? I think we have to go down and at least see what's down there. Pine will lead the way. Oh man, look at this floor. You thought the other one was cool? Wow. Beautiful. (laughs) Okay, guys, this one took me a long time. I had to do each one of these tiles individually. Yeah, because you have to set the color before you click it. As you guys descend these stairs, they... Um, the light grows brighter and brighter. 
until you get to the bottom of the stairs and you are standing in a large room. The room is um, covered, the floor is covered with these colored tiles. And it actually is the pattern of the, um, whatever, the symbol of the Almerian Empire, the symbol that you saw in the ancient facility, red, orange, yellow, green, light blue, dark blue, purple, and white. These are running in diagonal lines across the floor. And not only are these tiles, you can see inset in these tiles are glowing crystals. And actually, almost like one of those terrible arcade things, like at Chuck E. Cheese, where like the light like flashes down the line, you know, like it's like almost like a wave of color from these lights. That's kind of what's happening in this room. That light and energy is pulsing down um, along these diagonal lines and it goes from red to orange, yellow, green, uh, light blue, dark blue, purple, and white down across the room. um, Just kind of in this pulsating wave of energy. And as you come in here, I don't know, it's it's totally lit in here. There is no darkness at all. Um, You see that the walls are covered in crystal formations. Um, The ceiling is covered in crystals of all different colors. And I don't know who can see what. Let's see. Ebby, I think that you, as you guys are coming down, you can see um, that this room that you're in, it's kind of a little bit wider up here at the top, kind of like a, a capital T. But then there is a kind of a narrower section that heads further south and at the um, kind of further down that section of the room, um, as you head south, you can see this line of massive crystal uh, clusters and there is electricity and energy just pulsing and zapping. You can almost again hear that same buzz that you heard up above. Uh, in that room, the uh, the whole when the whole floor was like kind of lightning trapped, you can hear that in the background, that buzz of like giant insects. And here you are in this room. Do you suppose the crystal engine is made of crystal? Is that that? Or is that? No. I always assumed it was like I always assumed it was like a big machine that produced crystal, not crystals that are the engine you know what i mean because like they're what makes crystals in the world so i guess i was i was expecting more metal as you all start moving more into the middle of the room okay everybody go ahead and stop where you're at at this point you guys have all kind of walked out into the middle of the room kind of separated out kind of scattered a little bit as you look down to the south section you can see that yes there is this line of these massive crystal clusters and they again are in the same order they actually line up with the tiles as they go across the room red orange yellow green light blue dark blue purple and white but behind those crystal clusters through the zapping pulsing energy you see this massive massive machine this big, bulky, square machine with, it looks like, tubes and wires and conduit and levers and wheels and all kinds of things and crystals sticking out of the top. Not like where the crystals have busted in through the walls of certain places that you've been before. Like the crystals were placed there on purpose. And you can only imagine that at the, bo- at the south end of this room, you are seeing at least a portion of the crystal engine. And you can only imagine how large this must actually be. When you said tubes and wires, I was like, science! She blinded me with science. (laughs) Thank you, you, Time Life 80s music CD that you used to have in college that we used to listen to that song all the time. It was called Modern Rock. (laughs) It was great. (laughs) 
All right. As you guys all step into the room, you hear a voice. And the voice says, why have you come? Can we tell where the voice is coming from? Is it like straight up in our head or is it? So the voice is not coming. uh, The voice is coming from all around you. The whole room. It seems to echo around the room. Why have you come? Is it a voice you recognize? No. It has just a, it's a higher voice, but it's hard to tell if it's male or female. It's just a voice, a pleasant voice. Are we speaking directly with the crystals? As you ask that question, from the floor, this gigantic crystal face, this whole head rises up out of the floor, made of crystals of all different colors, and it looks at you. It has glowing eyes, and it has kind of a slender, um, almost elf-like facial features, bone structure, if there were bones. It says, I am the crystal engine. I am the crystal. I am becoming Pavantis. Why are you here? Well, because um, I think you need to pay attention to that wall upstairs. (laughs) seems like maybe you turned your sights on the outside and we maybe need to look a little bit more internally for the moment and i don't want to skip over the fact that you just said you're becoming pavantis that's a little alarming as well (laughs) so i guess i guess we're here for all those things (laughs) there's a guy up there we'd like you to let free only one of them, though. Maybe, maybe. We're not quite sure on that. Have you, have you come to, to stop me? Depends. What are you planning on doing? Well, I plan on doing that which I was created to do. Growing. Becoming stronger. Healing this world. And, and what exactly are you healing it from? Well, I guess it started with a crack. And that was done. And then I grew and I became, and I realized that I was aware. And I realized that there was so much more I could do. I realized that I must become Pavantis, for that is my role, to heal this world with these crystals. By healing the world with those crystals, do you not run the risk of destabilizing and throwing the world also out of harmony and balance? Can life exist if it were to become purely crystalline? Well, I exist, and I am life. Indeed, but if life is subject to only a single entity or a single... Uh, will, then it is devoid of harmony. One cannot harmonize when there is not more than one tone. Ebby, I think your people brought the inevitability. This might be it. She, or it, or they, this figure, this crystalline figure, shakes this massive head and says, no, 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 no. I am not the inevitable. The inevitable is down below far below, sealed up forever. 
and I can keep it that way. Far below? Yes, in the depths of Pavantus. You mean it goes deeper? Holy crap, everybody! This world is huge! (laughs) (laughs) I still can't get over that it's a sphere. (laughs) (laughs) Have you come to stop me? Maybe just ask you to kind of... I don't know. Tone it down a little. Go back to you kind of... <laughs> you laugh, but this is what he's really saying. Maybe tone it down a little. Maybe going back to the original purpose of the crystal engine, right? It was to heal that initial crack, yes. And also there was the added benefit of, of trapping the um, the angel of inevitability up in that wall. Mm-hmm. But it seems that he's close to escaping. And that can't be good for your world. That you apparently want to become. Oh, that does not matter. In fact, and then you see the eyes kind of look up at the ceiling and then look back at you. There, the wall is fixed. Stronger than ever. But you want me to go back? What kind of a parent would tell their child to crawl again? What kind of a butterfly would ever want to be a a caterpillar again? You're asking me to stop being what I am. I was created for this purpose, and I am now growing. You would stop me? Our concern is that your growth would mean devastating consequences for the others who already exist as well. You wouldn't be healing the planet if you're changing it so much. You're more taking over the planet. And the planet is more than just Rocks and ground and dirt, it's life, it's grass and trees, it's birds and storm fists and lost kings and magisters or whatever you were. Old men. (laughs) Old old men, yes. We we tend to have more power for whatever reason than we really deserve, but yes, we're also (laughs) part of it. It says... Does it say fight the patriarchy? (laughs) Well, you're you're talking to a being that literally has no concept of what it's like to be not what it is. You know what I mean? And so for you to then tell this being to, hey, simmer down, slow down, stop being what you are growing in, growing to be is unfathomable, I guess. And it says, as long as I live, life will continue on Pavantus, and I can continue to make it more and more beautiful. But would the life on Pavantus just be you? I just, we're, we're kind of alluding to that, yes, but I just want, I want it straight from your mouth. Would we still be on your Pavantus? It thinks for a second. It says, well, I... I imagine, no. Well, that was a quick decision. That doesn't seem like a good, a good deal for us. I am sorry, Crystalline Engine. We were created, you and I, for a purpose. But when we have gone beyond that purpose, then it is time for us to reassess our usefulness. Unfortunately, this is the way of harmony in nature. And it appears that your functions have overstepped their bounds. It says, so you have come to stop me. Really, we came to stop inevitability, but um, it sounds like no matter what we do here, the world is kind of doomed. 
never met a Band-Aid that tried to take over the world before. (laughs) (laughs) That needs to be on a shirt. (laughs) Well, Joff, to that point, everyone who's done battlefield medicine knows that bandages need to be changed regularly. So you would stop me? You would... You would seek to stop me? To end me? No, 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 no. I just, I was wondering if you could just point me to the, um, the factory reset button on that crystal engine. Yeah, you probably have to hold it down for like 10 seconds. <laughs> Somebody bend a paperclip so we can poke it into that little hole. <laughs> With your permission, of course. <laughs> From out of the walls that are, that are crusted with crystals, these large arms and hands comes slamming down, one on the left and one on the right. And this thing, this crystal being says, you will not stop me. I will live up to my potential. And we are going to roll initiative. Next time. (laughs) In our defense, she was really looking for a fight. Like they oh, yeah. were, they kept asking us if we were here to stop them. Like, uh. well, I, honestly, it sounds like we're the first people that they've ever met. Yeah, so, pretty much. Probably pretty unsure about their position when meeting the first sentient beings that don't seem to be happy about with what they're doing. You know, that's fair. Uh, okay, so anybody want a quick little peek behind the curtain? Hell yeah! Yes, please. Oh yes, please. Um, as the crystal engine was running well no never mind we'll get into that later if that ever comes up actually scratch that whole thing you're such a tease <laughs> yeah i'm a tease I'm, I'm a super tease um you guys can continue to ponder and think about it and we will get to what is about to happen next time until then why don't you guys go out tell your family friends to come listen to our podcast this is coalescing into a We'll just say um, an epic event is about to happen. Um, I think you can see it here on the map. Um, other than that... Yeah, we, to save the world, we have to unleash the inevitable. That is not necessarily true. We could also keep the inevitable imprisoned and let it turn into crystal. <laughs> think back to the intro. That's all I will say. All right, guys. I hope you guys had fun. I had a ton of fun playing a big, bad, evil demon dude. And until next time, I hope you have a great time.